Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, my name is Stuart Miles, and welcome to the Pocalint Podcast. This week, Pocalint Associate Editor Dan Grabham and I discuss the new Apple iPhone SE smartphone. Will it turn heads? And meanwhile, I've been catching up with Louise Koch, Head of International Sustainability at Dell, to talk about how the company approaches sustainability in its products, what are its plans for the future, and how it's already changing the way the company builds and designs its products for today. And fresh from the launch of the OnePlus 8 and 8 Pro, Pogolens Cam Bunton joins me to talk about the new range and how he's found using them. But first, Dan, let's talk iPhone. Do you think it's a strange time to launch an iPhone? I mean, we normally see big iPhone launches in September, and here we are in April during lockdown with the majority of Apple stores around the world closed, and we've got a new phone to play with. Yeah, absolutely. The bottom line is, yes, it is a little bit of an odd time, I suppose. But um, we have had a few phone bits before in sort of March, April time, haven't we? We've had... uh, We had... um, uh, like the special edition iPhone 8 Red um, product, Red mm. editions and things like that. Yeah. So we have had a few bits before, but I'm surprised it wasn't a few weeks ago when they launched the iPad Pro and um, the MacBook Air, really. Um, but, you know, it it is as good a time as any. Um, and uh, some stores will be open soon. Obviously, their stores in China are open now. Um, so I guess, you know, it, it's... They they might as well do it now, I suppose. You know, they obviously weighed it up and and thought it, it thought it was a good time. Now, looking at the information that Apple have released about the devices, and it, it feels like a an iPhone eight with an iPhone eleven inside. Yeah, it's basically it's basically that, um, and sort of the camera from yeah the camera is from the iPhone eight and iPhone ten R basically. So. Um, there isn't a lot new about this device, but of course, the, the, it's the way it's packaged and marketed and, um, and, and pushed in stores and that kind of thing. Um, the interesting thing is the price point, I think, you know, 399 um, in the US and 419 in the UK is, is pretty competitive, really, for the hardware inside this phone. Um, you know, going up against things like the Pixel 3a, for example, but really, uh, you know, the, 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 that mid-range market is 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 quite hot. We've seen a lot of vendors like Oppo and um, obviously OnePlus formally um, get into that space and really want to be seen as the, the as key players in it. Um, and the, this this new device really sort of um, rams home a, a, a you know it's a home run for Apple really because they haven't been playing properly in that space for a little while. Yeah, I think I mean it, to me it kind of answers two questions. One is that sense of well, you know people have obviously got lots of things on their minds at the moment and here is a effectively 400 pound 400 phone that you know says well we know that you probably can't afford a thousand pound phone or a thousand dollar phone so here's something that's almost half the price you know half the price on this uh, and you know it still delivers the performance of something which will then mean that it can last a lot longer because it's you know people hang on to these phones a lot these days but also to me it feels that there's a sense of of 
there are some fantastic mid-range phones coming from lots of different Android partners. But those Android partners perhaps might be new to some families, some people, you know, Oppo for all their lack of, you know, for all the the intensity of trying might not be a household name yet. And suddenly here you've got Apple going, hey, guess what? You've heard of us. You know what we're about. And it's 400 bucks. Thanks. Yeah. And and it works in the same way as their old phone, because obviously this has touch ID, not face ID. Um, You know, I think once people try face ID, they are sold on it, but obviously there's a big, um, a, a big portion of people that still have touch ID, iPads and, and iPhones. And a lot of those people probably had a, let's say an iPhone six, for example, or iPhone seven, and now they want to upgrade. And this is the ideal device for that. Um, and you know, for, 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 for all those users, it's, it, it's a, it's a brilliant buy, I think. And do you think this is the way that we're going to see Apple going in the future is sort of trying to make sure that it's budget, but affordable, but without sounding budget or affordable? I, th- I think that's probably, that's probably the, the way, the interesting way that it will go. Yeah. Um, I, th- I it, it was really interesting to me that they've been trying to push face ID devices for so long. And obviously the 10 R really was that the, they're kind of, um, uh, push into a sort of semi-budget space i mean still not anything like budget really but um sort of push slightly down market we did see obviously with the iphone 11 which is is competitively priced that's really that was really 2019 successor to the the iphone 10r if you like with the pro sort of sitting above it so there it's definitely it's definitely sort of a push towards the mass market this because um, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, there's some brilliant devices, obviously, at the, at the flagship end of the market, but a lot of people cannot afford them. You know, they they they, mm. they want that kind of power, but they, they just aren't in that space. You know, I've had friends recently asking me about 200 pound phones and yet they want it to be have a decent camera and that kind of thing. Um, and when you when you sort of think about what 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 a lot of people want it's actually this device is a lot closer to that than a than a a thousand pound iphone 11 pro and i suppose you also have to think about you know one of the other things i was thinking is that you've got if you sell if you're a service company or you're shifting towards services and you're selling apple tv plus subscriptions you're serving apple arcade subscriptions you know i'm sure there are other subscriptions that apple would love to sell you at some point down the line if you've got a phone that is four hundred dollars that will happily run Apple Arcade for a long, you know, and we'll be able to do so for a while, happily run Apple TV, happily run all these new AR functionalities and features that they're trying to push and, and all the other stuff, then all of a sudden you're like, well, maybe we can lose some money or not lose money, but we can drop the price because that increases the, the, the audience even further, which then will be more keen to sign up to the service. If you've got an iPhone, you know, six or seven, and you're still hanging around with one of those, then I think the iPhone 6 and 6S, I think, doesn't work with Apple Arcade. You know, it kind of, if you've got a phone for a couple of years, you, you kind of are missing out on some of the new services that they offer. And so this obviously allows them to get all those customers that don't necessarily want to go to that £1,000, you know, iPhone XR or 11 or 11 Pro kind of model to somewhere in the middle, but still keep within the Android and uh, still keep within the Apple family and not go Android. Yeah, absolutely, and and we you know we do we we do see it with with people that that hang hang on and hang on to devices that actually the experience they're getting is worse because they're they're getting terrible battery life they're getting um a, re- a sluggish operating system they you know they it can't run numerous apps my father in law on his iPad can't run 
um, the new Skype app, for example. Um, mm. So it's it's it, it's that that kind of that kind of experience gets worse if, if Apple can then tempt those users into getting a new device and having the very best experience. That's another potentially five years, say, of of them them being wedded to the Apple ecosystem, and obviously within that kind of realm where they might sign up to Apple TV Plus or they might um, yeah go to Apple Arcade, or certainly they'll 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 have an iCloud subscription. So, final question. Is it going to sell well? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's going to sell bucket loads. Um, the 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 old SE um, was by all accounts still selling very well um, when it went end of life. Um, the iPhone XR was the most popular iPhone I think during 2019 on on, on sale last year. So uh, you know, there's there, there's absolutely a market for for lower priced iPhones without question. Still to come, Cam gives us his verdict on the new OnePlus 8 Pro. It's rare to get a OnePlus phone that isn't good. I think we have to say that from the beginning. I think they've, they've built that reputation from delivering really high quality, fast, uh, great smartphones that generally don't cost as much as the big name manufacturers would charge you. And, and they've done it again with the OnePlus 8 Pro. Offsetting your carbon footprint, changing energy suppliers, the way we heat our homes or even cars we drive will all have an impact on sustainability in the future. But what about gadgets and devices we buy and use every day? What if the companies that make the devices we use, like our phones and laptops, aren't heeding our environmental concerns? What then? It's something Louise Koch, who heads up Dell's international sustainability efforts outside the US, knows lots about. Dell, like others, has already started addressing concerns about its environmental impact and has set out ambitious targets to reduce its carbon footprint on the world by 2030 and beyond. It's already started switching, for example, to using recycled packaging and environmentally friendly techniques and materials in its products like reclaimed ocean plastics and carbon fibre. So I started our conversation by asking Louise what Dell's sustainability goals actually are. So sustainability is, is a part of, of what we do and has been for, for many years from, from product design and product development to across operations and in our supply chain. So uh, we had uh, from 2013 until 2020, we had our previous sustainability plan um, where we met a lot of our goals, focusing on using recycled materials like uh, recycled plastics or carbon fiber in our products driving energy efficiency um, across our product portfolio and and taking back uh, more than 950 million kilograms of used electronics. So that's some of what we accomplished for 2020. Yeah, I was going to say, where, where does it go from where does it, where does it go from there as we're now in the future, so to speak? Yes. So now we, we recently launched our goals for, for the next decade. So until 2030, um, across our four pillars of what we call social impact, where sustainability is, is one of them. Uh, and in advancing sustainability in particular, we are really looking at the circular economy uh, driving that. So, so by 2030, our moonshot goals are that for every product a customer buys, we will reuse or recycle a similar product. And in addition, that the materials, uh, 100% of our packaging and uh, more than 50% of our product content will be made from recycled or, re- or renewable materials. And how do you go about doing that? I mean, recycle the, the product packaging itself, you know, there's a suggestion you just 
put it in a cardboard box and that used to be used by recycled cardboard and you know instead of wrapping everything in plastic that's a lot easier but how do you go about and you tell me that might be wrong it might not be that easy but how do you go about doing products themselves you know how wh- where do you start with that so, so for the recycled materials in, in products, that's been a journey over the last 10 years where we started using what's called post-consumer recycled plastics. So old water bottles or CD cases uh, have been part of, of Dell computers and, and monitors uh, for, for many years um, and, and adding uh, a material like carbon fiber. So it's, it's, it's a mix of, 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 you know, of course, experimenting, getting the right technical quality and functionalities and all the time looking for for better and more sustainable materials. And and you talked about there the ocean plastics. I know you have the ocean plastics initiative. How do, how does that mm-hmm. work? Yes. Yeah, so so that's for one of our packaging materials. We've been using uh, sustainable recycled materials in our packaging also for for a number of years, including mushrooms and recycled cardboard, as you just talked about. Um, and back in 2016, uh, we started looking into uh, being able to use ocean-bound plastics in uh, as a packaging material. So that would be plastics collected in coastal areas and waterways on its way to the ocean so that we get it uh, before it does the damage in the ocean. And, it's, and is that quite easy to, to, to build into your sort of supply chain and to, into your, your systems, you know, how does that process work? You just literally go and find some rubbish on the beach and, <laughs> and make a box no, out of it. Not, not quite as simple. So now we did, or our team did uh, feasibility studies and pilot testing in, in Haiti in 2016-17 and working with local uh, recycling facilities and organizations. Um, then the plastics is, is, is sorted, it's processed. We are you know, testing uh, again the quality of it, um, and 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 currently using uh, so using it for trays for our XPS laptops uh, with 100% recycled plastics, of which 25% is ocean-bound plastics and 75% is is uh, post-consumer recycled plastics. And do you think that Dell as a whole, are you do you feel your if you hit your target in 2030, will that be enough? Or do you think there's much more that you can still be doing? Well, I think that the targets that we set for 2030 are definitely ambitious and, and require us to, to, to really innovate uh, with materials, with energy efficiency in our products and in our packaging um, uh, in, in, you know, in, a, in a new strategic level. So, um, so if we reach our goal of 100% of the packaging materials being made from renewable or recycled materials, I think... That's a, that's a good one. Um, and of course, our goal with more than 50% of materials content is also a very ambitious goal. So if we hopefully, when we hopefully meet uh, our 50% uh, goal in 2030 on the, on the products, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll increase our efforts towards 2040. And do you think that by changing from a product to a specific question, mm-hmm. in moving to more recycling you know, recycled products within your within the laptops and, and other product and monitors and other products you make. Is that does that fundamentally change the way the product works or looks or is you know used? Is there compromises that have to be made by moving towards more more recycled metal or more recycled plastics? Mm. So of course we we don't compromise in the functionality and the quality of the product in any way. So so that's why one of the reasons I sometimes get asked, why don't you just use 100% recycled plastic in a computer? 
well mm. recycled plastic is a mixed material so so that's why we are, we are all the time increasing the amount of recycled plastics and other materials uh, which kind of follows the process of of technology and 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 materials development um so so we make sure the quality stays the same, of course. Um, and then we actually win some design benefits, for example, with the carbon fiber we are using, which we're using for the surfaces of, of some of our laptops, which gives a very nice, almost like texture-like um, a design. So, so that's an added benefit. Uh, plus, it's more lightweight and very durable. And do you see, you know, one of the, one of the arguments would be, well, we should just stop buying new products. We should try and use the products that we have more, you know, for longer, yes. and we shouldn't necessarily buy new things. Obviously, as a as a manufacturer of of products and and evolution and evolution and and innovation continues to go on, how how does Dell balance that? You know, how do you say, well, look, actually, the computer you bought two years ago is still great. Mm-hmm. Keep on using it, but mm-hmm. at the same time, we'd like you to buy a new one because we need to stay in business and we need you to have the new functionalities and innovations that we've made. Yeah, so first of all, we're not designing our products to be used for only two years. We are designing our products to, to be used for minimum three, four years is what's, what most of our business customers uh, choose to do. And designing our products also uh, with a modular approach, so they're easier to repair and to extend lifetime. And then what we offer to our customers are also take back and reuse programs. So if you run a business and you need to have high-performing software and the highest capacity and security and everything on your systems, you can run them for three years. Then we can take back and refurbish that equipment and give it a second life in another organization where it doesn't need to have the 120% performance all the time. So that's one way of of extending the lifetime of of the products overall. Um, And the other model, of course, is to offer PC or IT as a service, which is uh, also something we've been doing for, for several years and, and we're seeing an increasing interest uh, from our customers. So in this instance, we don't actually sell, uh, let's say, the laptop, but we offer it on an as-a-service basis to the customer and therefore we have full control also of the, of sustainability across the life cycle. And do you think the industry as a whole, um, beyond Dell, is, is doing enough? There's definitely always more to do. I would say that, that that many of our peers in the industry also have ambitious programs on circular economy, uh, sustainability, carbon uh, initiatives. Um, so a lot is being done, but there's always more to do. And and do you think that means that we should start looking at the ways that we change the way that we use or buy tech in the future? Is it is it something that you know the the you buy it, throw away mentality has to change amongst consumers as well as the manufacturers that are making the products in the first place. Um, I would say yes for the sector. So the product types where it is more of a short life cycle, it might make sense to try and extend that. Um, I think what what we should also be looking at is, uh, could be looking at is more as a service models, as, again, as, uh, as we just talked about. Um, and then, of course, if, if, you know, if you would ask me, how would I make the more sustainable choice when buying um, a computer or a mobile phone, mm. for that matter, then the first you can do is to choose products that have an eco label on eco certification. And there's several out there. One is TCO certified, another is called EPEED or Energy Star. So that means you're already making a more sustainable choice. 
um, and then of course making sure that at the end of the life or the end of use of your equipment that it's being uh, again resold for a second life or, or recycled in a responsible program. And so you talked about your recycling program. You can obviously take your Dell pro you know, your Dell products back. If if I was a consumer and was upgrading my computer to a Dell for the first time, am I able to to give you my to uh, you know yes. perhaps non Dell computer? Yes, our take back services also include non Dell products. And on a perhaps a bigger scale, the, the final question: the UK's goal is as a government is to try and get to net zero by 2050, which is a very ambitious goal. And, you know, around the world, there are other initiatives in an attempt to try and try and sort of considerably reduce our carbon footprint, you know, across the globe. Your ambitions are obviously for 2030. Where, where would you like to see, you know, and if you look at Microsoft, they've got sort of to be carbon positive by, by um, net positive by, I think 2050 as well. Where, where, where would you like to see Dell in, in say, 30 years time. Yes. So so the, the, the net zero by 2050 is, of course, aligned with the, with the COP21 Paris Agreement on Climate. So, so mm. it's great that the UK uh, as, a, as a country is, is aligned with that. Uh, so are we as a company. We also have what we call science-based targets. So, so for 2030, our, our goal is to, to uh, reduce our energy consumption and our energy emissions, CO2 emissions, sorry, by 50% um, and to have 74% renewable energy, which will be 100% in, in 2040. So we haven't set goals yet for 2050, but, um, but we are aligned with the progress uh, that needs to be made to follow the Paris Agreement. OnePlus has come a long way since its early days. It was once a no-name brand that built hype by offering high performance for a very low price point and could only be bought if you had an invitation, almost like a Willy Wonka golden ticket. Today, however, you'll see OnePlus devices listed in popular retail stores and available from major carriers around the world. It's broken out of its niche and become a trailblazer. For 2020, it's all about the OnePlus 8 range, and it's the Pro model that's the company's biggest phone yet, both literally and in significance, because it adds features that we've been waiting on for years, namely wireless charging and a proper water resistance rating. And Cam, who's been trying the phone in excitement and joy and everything else, is here to tell us his verdict on the new device. So is it any good? Short answer, yes. It's well, there we go, right. <laughs> Done. Done. Thanks very much yeah, for your no time, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Brilliant. No, it is. I mean, it's rare to get a OnePlus phone that isn't good. I think we have to say that from the beginning. I think they've, they've built that reputation from delivering really high-quality, fast, uh, great smartphones that generally don't cost as much as the big-name manufacturers would charge you, and, and they've done it again with the OnePlus 8 Pro. But this time their pricing is sort of creeping up into that sort of ultra premium bracket. The 8 Pro, mm. 8 Pro now starts at £800. Um, but again, when you compare the features and the price to something like the Galaxy S20 Plus, um, it's still a good £200 cheaper than that. So, um, yes, short answer, very good. Um, yeah. Do you, do you think, though, that, that the typical OnePlus owner the the people that probably are upgrading this if you like OnePlus you've probably got a six haven't you probably wouldn't necessarily yeah. maybe have had the seven do you think they're gonna gonna suddenly look at the price and go hang on a minute I got into this because they were affordable they were kind of considered you know flagship but still within my budget and now all of a sudden I'm being asked for 800 sniffs 
you know that's, yeah. that's suddenly quite a jump that's something I think we've discussed this most of the time whenever they launch a new product because it seems like for the last few years they seem to just sort of incrementally push their prices up by 50 or 100 pounds as they put in higher end materials and components and make these phones a lot more premium than they used to be. Obviously that comes with a cost but again like you say I think well, I think we sometimes do worry uh, that they're sort of alienating the people that maybe supported them from the beginning when the smartphone maybe only costs £200, maybe less. Um, mm. Whereas now they are charging £800. And like you say, people who maybe spent three, three, three fifty, four hundred pounds on a OnePlus 6 or a OnePlus 60 a couple of years ago will be looking to upgrade now. And they might be looking at that, like you say, at like the OnePlus 8 Pro and thinking actually that's a little bit too steep for me. Um, so yeah, there is that. I think there is that concern. Now, one of the things that you talked about in your review that you you wanted and now delivers is obviously wireless charging. Does, yes. is, is that as good as it was promised? It's very good. I mean, OnePlus has this um, charging technology. It's sort of shared with Oppo, which is part of the same big company with, but that's a whole other long story. Um, but yeah, it is very good. They use a very fast wireless charging. It's 30 watts, which is, I think, more than three times faster than the wireless charging you would get on an iPhone, for instance. Wow. Um, so you can fully charge your phone. I mean, sorry, you can half charge your phone from zero to 50 in about 30 minutes on a wireless charger, which is really, really quick. Uh, but again, you do need to use the proprietary OnePlus 30-watt wireless charger, and then that will cost you an extra £80. So that's got Oof. cost. Yeah, that's got costs associated with it as well. So yeah, it has it. It's fast. But again, if you want to make the most of it, you have to pay extra for this charger. And in terms of things that you don't like, I mean, obviously, you sound over, uh, very excited by the whole device anyway. But is there yeah. things that you thought, mm, okay, they could have done better there? There's always something. I mean, OnePlus seems to do weird things with most of its phones that we sort of question afterwards and go, why did they do that? And one of them is the color filter camera on the back. So like most modern smartphones now will have three or four cameras on the back, all nicely, neatly contained in the same little protrusion on the rear camera, on the rear of the phone. And this one has a fourth color filter camera, which then means that one of the cameras has been pushed out of this protrusion into the body of the phone and kind of ruins the symmetry. Mm. And the color filter camera sort of just strips out a lot of the color and makes it look sort of weird, bluey, orangey, gray, sort of really desaturated, but with this sort of sepia blue-ish tint. And we're not I'm not really quite sure why it's there or if there's any real benefit to it. It's just a, a bit of a gimmick, if I'm honest. Um, but otherwise, I mean, most of the other features in the phone perform really well. It's really fast. It's got one of the best displays I've seen on a smartphone. It's got a good camera. Battery lasts for ages. So, I mean, it does all the right things. It's just got this weird camera on the back that sort of we don't yeah, really understand. Like I've, seen, I've seen some of your pictures on, on the review on, on PocketLint, and it, it does look a bit strange, as if, like, well, why is there just yet another camera sort of not within the enclosure? <laughs> um, yeah. and so how do you feel, like, against that you've obviously played with the, S, the, the Samsung S20 range, is that, do you feel that's the nearest competitor here? I know it's obviously a price difference, or is it something else that you should be considering if if this looks appealing or you've got already? Yeah, I think it's. I think the the Galaxy S twenty plus seems to be the most direct um, compar- competitor to this. 
the OnePlus 8 Pro because a lot of the features are really similar between the two phones. Um, like I said, it's £200 less. But, I mean, you've got devices from Oppo, which is OnePlus's sister company. They've got the Find X2 Pro, which, when you look at it from the front, is pretty much exactly the same as the 8 Pro because they share a lot of the same designs and hardware. Um, so that's similar, but then that one has a completely different camera system on the back, which gives you much better zoom photos if that's what you want. But again, that one does cost a bit more as well. So it seems that if you want a lot of these features, most other manufacturers will charge you a bit more for them. So OnePlus is still doing that thing of charging you less for a really good phone. Well, that's it for this week's show. And don't forget, if you want us to plant a tree on your behalf, all you have to do is tell us the MAC address of a Honeywell smart thermostat that is active in your office or home. Remember, the thermostat can already be installed and being used, or you can go out and buy a completely new one and then just let us know about it. But it must be active, and you must tell us before the end of this month. You can find a form on PocketLint via a link on our homepage. Until next time, pip pip. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.